Hello and welcome to Biopod, the official podcast for the School of Biological Sciences here at the University of Edinburgh. I'm Severina and I'm happy to present Hao Miao Cheng, who is chatting with Gerben van Oyen, a PI in a lab studying circadian rhythm using algae. Now, over to you, Haumio. Welcome to our course, Heaven. Thank you. Um, so, Heaven, could you tell us a little bit about your academic background and what you're working at the moment? Yeah, of course. So, um, I did my PhD at the University of uh, Amsterdam, where I also did my undergrad. Um, which was on uh, the innate immune system in plants. I then moved to Edinburgh in 2008 to work with uh, Andrew Miller in his circadian lab here. Um, And I never left. So uh, still here, still working on circadian rhythms. And (laughs) I started my lab in 2012 uh, as a a Royal Society University Research Fellow. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Okay, so you started working... 15 years ago now. So, yeah, my lab is 10 years old now. So, could you tell us what is circadian clock and why is it important? Yeah, so the circadian clock um, is our internal mechanism for timekeeping, um, which can be found not only in humans, um, but also in, in plants, in fungi, in most... In most eukaryotic organisms um, and it's a circadian clock that drives circadian rhythms in our body that you'll be mm-hmm. some of them you'll be aware of like your sleep-wake cycle uh, secretion of certain hormones like melatonin or cortisol and it, these circadian rhythms uh, are part of a whole raft of circadian rhythms that are ultimately very important for uh, human health uh, as indicated by the fact that circadian disruption often leads to a higher susceptibility to infectious diseases, um, higher incidence of metabolic disorders or depression, and even certain types of cancer. Mm -hmm. But of course, these whole body rhythms um, ultimately culminate from individual oscillators in single cells. So it is the the cellular clocks that we study. So we, we study the clock at a molecular and cellular level to ultimately find out how a clock works, how, how a cell keeps time, uh, which then in turn will be important for whole organism rhythms, like uh, for human health or mm-hmm. for plant crop productivity. Wow, that sounds super cool. So we have clock, as you said, from um, human and in our health uh, regulation and as well as the algae that you study in a group. Yeah. So, what are the key questions specifically in a group that explores? Yeah, so that there is a lot we already know about circadian clocks. So, any circadian clock in any organism involves the rhythmic expression of uh, certain clock genes that rhythmically get expressed and then feedback to regulate directly or indirectly their own expression. And this is already. Um, quite an established idea for which the Nobel Prize was given a few years ago. Mm-hmm. However, um, what we try to uh, address with the algae is to study a much more 
fundamental level of timekeeping um, because these, these clock genes are not shared between humans or plants or mice or fungi. Mm -hmm. um, yet there are many aspects of timekeeping that we do know that are completely identical between all, all these organisms. So there is a lot of evidence by now for a sort of additional clock mechanism that is not reliant on rhythmic clock gene expression. And it is this sort of non-transcriptional clock that we aim to understand. Um, and we use the algae for that mm -hmm. because they are simple, basically. They are almost, they are like green yeast, you know, yeast is used green a lot yeast. for for fundamental biological research, mm -hmm. but yeast doesn't have a clock. So this is kind of, you know, our circadian equivalent of, of yeast, let's say. So it's a, it's a model cell in which you can study fundamental aspects of timekeeping um, without the complexity that you would find in a human or a plant cell. Mm. That sounds super practical with using algae, because, um, yeah, as you said, um, why you choose algae is because it's simpler and it's easier and, and uh, it has a clock rather than a just yeast. So it's called green yeast, but it's algae cells, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. So, but the problem is that um, how could we possibly to look at a clock in algae? Because hu um, as humans, we can know people, when do people get up and when do people sleep? How could you know the sleep and work cycle for algae? Yeah, that's a good question. So what um, what is used in circadian research a lot for kind of non-invasive long-term experiments for like week-long experiments is the firefly luciferase gene. Mm -hmm. So um, actually the, the lab where I did my postdoc, Andrew Miller, uh, was the first person to use luciferase in a circadian context. So um, luciferase of course gives off light. So if you express that from a circadian regulated promoter, mm -hmm. um, the cells give off a lot of light when expression is high and not a lot of light when expression is low. So basically you can keep your cells under completely constant conditions. So no, no day-night rhythm, no temperature rhythm and image the amount of light that they emit. And then you will be able to, to trace circadian gene expression in a, in a very detailed way. So you mean that we can simply um, track the light um emission of the algae and then um, we can trace back the clock. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Cool. And then yeah. we can do that in multi-well plates, mm -hmm. um, therefore, which means that you can do a lot of treatments. Uh, you can study the effect of a lot of treatments on the circadian gene expression by, for example, using uh, concentration ranges of inhibitors or by transgenic approaches mm -hmm. and then monitor what effect they have on circadian gene expression using luciferase. So you just mentioned about the comparing algae clock to human and other organism clocks, mm -hmm. right? So, so how could it benefit the clock research? Yeah, so personally, I believe that we do not know yet uh, the fundamental ways in which a cell keeps time. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that this oscillatory system uh, is identical between all life. So looking for it uh, in wow. something really complex 
is harder than looking for it in something very simple. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, if you're looking for a needle in a haystack, you better use a very small haystack yeah. <laughs> or a very large needle, whichever mm -hmm. way you, you look at it. Um, because we have found, um, when we started working with these algae, we first found that the post-translational uh, regulatory proteins like, like casein kinases mm -hmm. um, and phosphatases that are involved in timekeeping in mammals or in fungi or in plants are identically required for timekeeping in these algae. Yeah. Uh, and so is the involvement of certain biochemical pathways like mm -hmm. the methyl cycle. But then we also subsequently found new circadian rhythms, for example, um, in the rhythmic post-translational modification of redox-related peroxyredoxin proteins, mm -hmm. um, which we identified in the algae, but which subsequently turned out to be completely perfectly conserved in uh, all the life that we actually looked at uh, subsequently. So not just eukaryotes, but even in archaea, we oh. can detect the same post-translational modification on the same protein with the same antibody as in the algae. So um, there are other examples now, like the rhythmic fluxes of ions into the cells, um, which have in turn a very important regulatory function uh, inside the cell, which are completely identical across all eukaryotes that we looked at, uh, including even human red blood cells, which don't even have a nucleus, so they don't have a transcriptional clock, mm -hmm. yet they have the identical potassium uh, rhythms that we first found in the algae. So for me, the advantage of these comparative approaches um, are that you can really disentangle fundamental aspects of cellular rhythmicity from, you know, taxon-specific adaptations that might exist in addition, such as transcriptional rhythms, right? Yeah. Completely different genes are rhythmic in a human than will be in a plant. That sounds incredibly conser conservative. So, and it's surprising that the algae clock shows similar um, metabolism reasons um, with the human cells and uh, a lot of other species. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating. I think um, it it also means that this new clock that we're trying to identify must have evolved about two and a half billion years ago, at a time when there was only oh. unicellular life. Yeah. <laughs> so it is it is really cool. Uh, evolutionary aspect to, to the work. Yeah, as well. that sounds like the half age day Earth life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> so, what would you think is the so far the biggest challenge that the clock, um, circadian clock research is facing? Yeah, I think if I consider the whole field, I think the biggest challenge is to take our fundamental understanding of timekeeping um, and ultimately use it to our advantage um, because we still don't have a solution for people who do regular shift work for example shift work is a is a is a carcinogen it is very very unhealthy yet yeah. one in five of the uk working population um, does shift work and we can't oh, that's super high <laughs> yes and we can't we can't help that yet we, we can't treat jet lag yet for example mm -hmm. um, we can't help people with a with a genetic uh, genetically you know a malfunctioning clock let's say so there is a there is a for me there's a clear knowledge gap 
right? So we know some things about rhythmicity, mm -hmm. yet not enough to actually make the translation to, to help people. And I think that is going to have to be the, the most important question for the, for the field is why, why, what is this lack of knowledge? Why can we not, you know, treat uh, circadian diseases? I think that's part of the medicine research and um, to connect the theories we have to the, pa uh, the treatment of the patients, right? Yes, I believe so. So I believe that our, our research in algae, uh, if, as fundamental as it may sound, can really contribute to, to these sort of um, treatments, really. A big project in our lab is to look into the roles of potassium rhythms into um, the, the circadian control of cell mm -hmm. division, um, which I believe will ultimately have very clear um, implications for cancer research. So, yeah, even though we work on algae, I think it's clear that fundamental knowledge of timekeeping will ultimately be required before we can yeah. solve bigger medical Absolutely. questions. That sounds very promising. So, what do you think is the biggest challenge for your lab's research so far, if there's any? So, a big project is to look into the fundamental, kind of the the functional roles of these ion rhythms that we that we identified. Um, so that's dominating our research at the moment, I think. Mm -hmm. So we observed that circadian rhythms in potassium and magnesium exist in mm -hmm. cells, but we don't know the full extent yet of how these rhythms actually impact on the cell biology and metabolism of cells. So that is something that I think, you know, we hope to know in about five years from now. So that is kind of a direct big question that we have. Um, another one is that it's very clear that there is a lot of circadian regulation of translation. Mm -hmm. So the overall translation in a cell. Um, whereas most of the field works with the assumption that rhythms in uh, RNA, so rhythms in gene expression, will lead to rhythms in function. Um, but unfortunately, that is not entirely true at all, because rhythmic transcripts um, are a very poor predictor of rhythmic proteins. So, in fact, what it, it seems to be more a case of um, regulation of when proteins are made and the function of these proteins, so the activity of these proteins, mm -hmm. that defines um, the rhythmicity of a process, so circadian output rhythms, rather than transcript level. So another big question in our lab is how do cells actually establish rhythmic translation if it's not just a consequence of rhythmic mRNA levels? Yeah, that sounds very interesting and it's um, very different from what we have known so far because according to the central dogma, it's always the rhythmic um, translation that determines the results rather than just at um, metabolism levels, right? So why do you think that the rhythmicity are not controlled by the central dogma rather than the um, metabolism? Yeah, that's right. So the, the central dogma you mentioned is the, the Nobel Prize winning idea of a transcription-based clock, right? Mm -hmm. But um, we now we, we have the evidence that um, from our algae 
and also from other systems like human red blood cells, um, that these cells continue to keep 24-hour rhythms even in the absence of any gene expression. So not just in the absence of rhythmic gene expression, no, in, in the absence of any gene expression. Um, and that actually dates back to the, to the 1960s when uh, also using algae, but funnily the, the largest algal cells, so there, there's a cell called acetabularia, which is actually 10 centimeters long, um, and they chopped off the part where the nucleus is. And yet they saw that the rest of the cell continues to be rhythmic on a metabolic level which means that they must do so by a process that doesn't rely on gene expression. Mm -hmm. And the same is true in human red blood cells. So these are naturally anucleate cells, yet they are perfectly rhythmic, for example, in uh, peroxyredoxin modification or in um, potassium content of these cells. So it is just clear that cells of all types of eukaryotes have a capacity for timekeeping yeah. in the absence of gene expression. So the the central dogma, even though it is, we won't debate that these rhythms exist in transcription, mm -hmm. and we won't debate that they are important for achieving a lot of output, yeah. uh, rhythmic outputs. However, they are not the oscillator. Yeah, so it sounds like there are more primitive mechanisms going on down there. Indeed, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's the next step in your plan? Yeah, the next steps... Um, so I think the next steps are firstly to, to identify what the general principles are um, for wider cell biology of magnesium and potassium rhythms. Mm -hmm. So we're currently looking into how potassium rhythms affect cell proliferation, um, proteostasis, um, and primary metabolism, or especially uh, glycolysis, actually. Um, we're looking at how magnesium rhythms are actually generated in a cell mm -hmm. and what their cellular functions are, In uh, so sort of which processes could be sensitive to these circadian rhythms in magnesium. We also don't even know where in the cell these iron rhythms play out because we only have whole cell data. Um, and of course, there's also evidence for ions moving in a circadian rhythm between cellular compartments. So we also really would like to know the, the subcellular, um, you know, the resolution of ion rhythms. And then find out uh, how this is actually controlled in all other cells, not just, uh, not just in our algae. Yeah, thank you, Herben. Thank you, Amia. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and found the research by Gerben van Ooyen intriguing. You can listen to other Biopod episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram at Biopod Edinburgh. Otherwise, enjoy your day and see you next time. Mm -hmm.